0: Thank you for tuning into this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I, for one, am glad to be here this morning and be bathed in the presence of Jesus. Anybody else? Oh, I feel Him here today. I feel His presence since we, since we got here this morning and enjoyed our, our time of corporate prayer at 9 o'clock this morning. I have just felt him moving. I wanted to take just a minute, if I can, if you'll allow me to, um, just briefly, to thank you for the, uh, the prayers and the thoughts, the notes, the Facebook posts um, that you've sent uh, to my family this week. Um, as, as Pastor Robert said, um, my wife Julie, her and, and my sister-in-law Kelly, and, and they have a brother named Michael, they, they lost their dad this week. He passed away on Friday afternoon, and you all have reached out and truly shown yourselves to be our faith family. So thank you from the bottom of our heart uh, for that, and we'll share the arrangements uh, early this week with, with everyone. A couple of uh, months back, maybe a couple of years back, there was a commercial on TV. It was a commercial for MasterCard. And they depicted things, of course, that you could purchase with the line of credit that they would graciously extend to you. But MasterCard and the marketing experts with that company did such a great job that they not only showed you the things that you could purchase and enjoy tangibly with the credit line that they extended to you, but they went further than that and they showed you the happiness and the satisfaction and the togetherness of family and friends after you had made those purchases. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we talk ourselves into making a purchase because we think, look how happy I'll be, right? Are you with me? Are you all awake? They wanted you to see the euphoria that would come into your life if you would go out and purchase something that you could not afford. And they went about it in such a sneaky, sly way. I think the same people were responsible for that serpent back in Genesis. They come at it in such a sneaky, sly way that they convince you that that is exactly what you need to do. But they were right in this respect right here. They were right in the fact that those moments, that togetherness, that euphoria that you would supposedly feel if you would make that purchase was invaluable. As a matter of fact, they used a different word in all of their advertising for that feeling and that satisfaction, that euphoria, and that word was priceless. They said in a, in a, in a sneaky, sly way, if you would ex- take this credit card and take this account that we've given you access to and you go out and you buy that, the experience of doing that would be priceless. How many of you took him up on that offer? I did. I did. I'm a sucker for a good marketing scam. Pastor Joseph is too. I can say that because he's not here. Priceless. Invaluable. And so sometimes we talk about how valuable we are to God, and we know that, and we are valuable to Him. But that word, valuable, doesn't hold enough weight to just stop there. The word valuable I learned this week is different from the word invaluable. Now it took me a minute to process that because, and I'm not real real intelligent, but it, it seemed to me like valuable and invaluable would be opposites. And so I had to go to Merriam Webster's dictionary and start there as you all would, right? And study up on that and figure that out. And I found and I learned, and I'll share with you so you don't have to do the research on it, that if something is valuable you can assign a monetary amount to it. You follow that? If it's valuable, you can assign a monetary amount to it. So we would say our homes are valuable. We can assign a dollar amount. And if someone comes in, offers us a dollar amount that's acceptable to us, what would we do? We'd pack our stuff and move out and let them have it. Our cars, some of them not mine necessarily, are valuable to us. We can assign a monetary value to it. But listen, when something is invaluable, you cannot assign a monetary value to it. It's invaluable. It's priceless. Just like MasterCard showed us the experience would be. It's invaluable. It's priceless. I can't put a number on it. And so we think about the things around us that there's no way I could assign a monetary value to. This morning, I've tracked down my grandson, Parker, here in this building, and he was in his father's arms, and this makes me very, very happy. As soon as he saw me, his face lit up, and he leaned for me. He jumped out of Jordan's arms to get to me. I cannot assign a monetary value to that. It's invaluable to me. It's priceless. And I can rub it in Jordan's face later. <laughs> you can't assign a value to that. And you have things in your life that are invaluable to you. And most of those things, I hope, if not all of those things, are intangible. It's the smile of a baby. It's the love of a friend or a relative. It's, it's the feeling you get when your spouse walks in the room. Amen, men? It's invaluable. I wouldn't take anything for that. Some of you are saying, well, you know, it could be that there's a a number there somewhere. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Nothing has changed since Genesis chapter 1. Nothing has changed since Genesis chapter 1. There is still only one God. That was a great time for an amen. Because this world that we live in is trying to impose on us that there might be multiple gods. There might be more ways. But I'm telling you this morning that there's only one God. And this God, who has who has made himself known through his creation, as we read in Paul's writing, that he made himself known through creation, through the testimony of other people, which is what we read in this book and what we share amongst ourselves in different settings, the testimony of other people across thousands of years of time and through the Bible, says that this God created the world and everything in it. I thought about not saying that this morning because I thought, well, that's elementary. No one needs to know that. But I was reminded this week that there are people who don't know. There are people who are still confused about simple things that we call simple, at least, like creation. How did we get here and what's going on and how did the world become this? And let me explain it to you. God created everything And here's my point. When he thinks about you, this is what has not changed. When he thinks about you, when he ponders you, when he says to himself, hmm, your name. He says to himself, they are invaluable to me. They are priceless to me that causes me pause to think about that the creator of the universe the one who spins everything in place and keeps everything in order the one who has ordained you and I and this church and the church the big C church the one who keeps the planets from going into complete disarray finds you Priceless. When he thinks about you, he says, They are invaluable to me. And even though that's sometimes hard for us to grasp, and I don't know if you spend a lot of time thinking, but I try to plan some time into my day for thinking. If you came by my house and I was sitting in a chair, you might say, There he is, napping again. I'm not napping most of the time, I'm thinking. I'll read something, I'll ponder something like this, and it blows my mind, and I say, I don't understand this, God. How could you find me invaluable? How could you find me priceless? It's especially tough for adults. That's why I like to spend my time in children's church. Because as soon as we hear God loves us, You're priceless to him. You're invaluable to him. We start to process all of the reasons why he shouldn't. Isn't that what we do? We start to bring in all of the things that, well, yeah, but you don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand what I've done. You don't understand where I am in my walk right now. We talk about and think about the challenges that we have in our lives, the conversation that we had this past week at. Work with the people at the water cooler. The thing that we did last week that we said on January 1st, I will not do this again. But we did. And as all of those things come back into our minds, it's like we're resisting and fighting this simple truth and fact that God finds you invaluable. He does not find you invaluable or priceless because you have done anything or haven't done anything. Let me say that again because we live in a world that even from the Christian church pulpit sometimes you'll hear a doctrine of works that you must do this and you must do that. I don't read that in scripture. I read in scripture that he loved me anyway. Anybody else? He loved me in spite of me. And it didn't take me working and doing and producing and quantifying some reason for him to love me he just decided to love me he just decided I would be priceless to him he decided that before I was even here and that's the kind of thing that I sit in my chair and I think about and eventually I fall asleep and Julie will come in and say are you taking a nap I say yeah I just fell asleep in the arms of my savior in the arms of the Lord I was praying I didn't mean to but I Yeah, I fell asleep, but listen to what I was pondering. And so as we think through all those things that disqualify us in our own minds and in our own lives and think that that might become the thing that God's looking at, and he says, well, yeah, but you were inconsistent in your Bible reading last week, and I only heard from you twice, and that was at the table before you ate, and you only did that because there was people at your table. You probably, we think about all that stuff. And we think, I'm not valuable to God. I'm not invaluable to God. I'm not priceless to God. I can't even read through the book of Matthew with the church. He says, it's not about that. It's because I am God and I decided you were invaluable. Would you look at the person next to you and remind them they are invaluable to God? In the mind of Christ, the same mind that put everything in play and decided that there would be saltwater fish that are so colorful and delicate and detailed that you just stand there in awe and stare at them. Anybody? Anybody? Looked at saltwater fish? It's the same God, as I was reminded by a surgeon this week at the hospital, that there is this delicate balance to these bodies. And if one thing goes off kilter, it can throw everything else out of kilter. But yet they're so strong and they're so put together with uniqueness that we can go years and years and years and abuse them and they'll still run. It's that God and that mind, that designer that says to us, says to you this morning, you are invaluable to me. You are priceless to me. And so, how do we know that we are invaluable to God? Let me share a few things with you. If you've got a pen, you might want to write these down. I'm going to go pretty quick. Here's the reasons that we know that we are invaluable to God, that we're priceless to God. Number one, He created you in His image. We read that in Genesis chapter 1, about verse 26, 27. It says, Let us, and that was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, create men in our own image. You remember reading that? So if he would take the time to create us in his own image, don't you think that we're invaluable to him? Yes, we are. He created us in his own image. He, He could have decided to create us in a different image, but he didn't. He created us in his image. Number two, he will never forget you. We read that in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 15. It says, um, writing uh, what the Lord is is giving him, Isaiah does that even a mother who raises a child is a possibility that she will forget that child. But it continues to say in that verse, I, God speaking, will never forget you. That's a promise. Do you understand that when we read things in this word, there are promises, yes and amen. We don't have to worry about them. We don't have to fight against it. We can just receive it and accept it. Now, it takes a deeper place of our living in in our Christian walk to get to that point where we just accept it, because some of us are still analyzing things, and we can't accept it and believe it until we've decided that it's okay. I'm telling you this morning, it's okay in 2020 to just accept it because it's in God's Word. You say, well, pastor, that seems a little naive. Well, have it your way. But I'm choosing to just accept it. Because it's in God's word. So he will never forget me. That's how I know that I am invaluable to him. Number three, he has a plan for you. Kaylee talked about this just a little bit. At the end of that song, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, I have a plan for you, right? We know that verse. To prosper you. That's how we know that he is... Looking at us and saying you are invaluable to me because he took the time to create a plan for us You may feel like you're going willy-nilly through life making your own decisions and doing your own thing You may be but I know that there is a God in heaven who has a plan for you He also had a plan for me And he ruined all my plans so that he could initiate his plan So get ready I am invaluable to him because he has a plan For me number four We are the apple of his eye. Have you ever read that in Scripture? Four times, at least, in the Old Testament, it refers to the apple of his eye. And so I had to go back and do some research of that. You know, some of you who know me know that I can't just, okay, I got an apple here, what's going on with that? The people in ancient times believed that the pupil of our eye, not sure why my voice cracked like there, but that was kind of cool, right? The pupil of our eye was around like marble. That's what they thought. But one thing that they did notice and that we may have noticed, especially as we look people deep into the eye, is when we look into someone's eye, what do we see? You see a reflection of yourself. If you look closely and hopefully you've got breath mints, if you get that close, if you look closely into the pupil of somebody's eye, you will see a reflection of yourself there. And then there's this instinct that we all have to protect our eyes. As soon as something comes close, a piece of dust or somebody's finger, something, our eyelid automatically closes and we turn our head. That's why and it, it, our eyes are sunk back into eye sockets. It's a great creator design that protects our eye. And so all of that thought process is wrapped up into this one idea that you, being invaluable to God, me, being invaluable and priceless to God, are the apple, the center, the pupil of his eye. He protects us under the shelter of his wing. He covers us with his grace and his mercy. And we are central to his thoughts. And when we look into his eyes... If we could get close enough, if in the Spirit during a worship time or in prayer time in your closet, you could picture yourself close enough to the Father, close enough to look into His eyes, you would see your reflection in His eye. You are the apple of His eye. That's how important you are. That's how invaluable you are. David prays in Psalm 17 and asks that God would keep him as the apple of His eye. David was saying, don't let me go. Keep me there. I want to be in that place where I'm protected and invaluable to you. Number five, he has an everlasting love for you. In Jeremiah 31.3, it's the idea of I have lived, loved you with an everlasting love. It says, I have drawn you with a loving kindness You see, that everlasting love is what I mentioned earlier. He decided to love us that we were priceless and invaluable to Him before we were even here. We didn't have to come do something. Amen? Aren't you glad it wasn't up to you and how good you could be? We couldn't even keep the the, the little laws of the house. That's why some of us got turned over our parents' knee and got a spanking or a whooping. That's why somebody had to go get a hickory. Because we couldn't even keep the the laws of our household and and what our parents told us to do we can't keep anything on our own that's why God says it wasn't up to you I wasn't waiting on you to get here and see how good you could be I loved you with an everlasting love not only depicting the fact that he loved us before we were here before the creation of the world the foundation of the world but that he will always love us aren't you glad it goes both ways East and west, from as, from as far as the east is from the west, he will never not love you. He will never not find you priceless. It doesn't matter what you do or how many times you do it, he will always find you invaluable to himself. Number six, he sent his son to die for you. This could be the greatest of all reasons that we know that God finds us valuable. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says that God demonstrated his what? Love for us that while we were yet still sinners, what did he do? Christ died for us. What greater love could there be? And then the verse of all verses, John 3, 16, reminds us that God so loved the world that he did what? That he sent his only begotten son. For that whosoever would believe on him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. How do we know we're valuable, invaluable to God? He sent his son to die for you. What more could he do? Number seven, he calls you his child. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1 says, How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. There's a whole sermon there. There's a whole teaching there. There's a whole year of study right there into understanding that you've been adopted into the family and all the rights and the privileges that come with adoption are now available to you. Can I get an amen? Y'all are too quiet for me. I'm going to let you know that right now. You are adopted into the family of God. What in the world could you lack at this point? He has opened up the gates of heaven and said, it's all yours, come and receive. We are children of the Most High God. There's nothing better. So he calls you his child, and by that, by the fact that he no longer calls you servant, no longer calls you by your human name, He looks at you and says, Son, daughter, you are my child. By that, we know that we are invaluable to Him. Can we make a decision today as a church? Right here at the somewhat beginning of 2020, can we make a decision today, in this moment right now, to just accept and rest in these truths? Stop fighting them. Stop coming in with the yeah, buts, right? Can we just make a decision to rest In that there's been times in my life and I know there has been times in yours where I was discouraged where I had made some choices that weren't right made some bad decisions chips were down things looked rocky it was all my fault and I felt all alone that I had done this to my family, my friends, whatever it was. And I didn't know how I was going to move forward. And my wife would take me by the hand in those moments, and it's been more than once. And she would look me in the eyes and she would say to me, Rest in the fact that I love you. Rest in the fact that I love you. And she has no idea how much that means to me. She has no idea how that changed me and energized me to move forward and to walk one more step and and go one more day. Because I knew in that moment that no matter what all this out here looked like, She was with me. She still loved me. God is looking somebody in the eyes today that's messed it all up. You've got it all turned upside down. It's all messed up. You didn't feel invaluable when you got here, you didn't even feel valuable when you got here. As a matter of fact, you may be listening on the internet or here in this room, and you feel worthless today in God's eyes. You didn't know maybe if you even wanted to come today you thought well it's the new year maybe I'll try church maybe I'll try religion maybe I'll try faith I I, I got to do something the world is not right we, we got to right the ship can I tell you this morning with the same passion that I told you what Julie said he is looking you in the eye this morning and he is saying will you Please rest in the fact that I love you. Will you please, rest in the fact that you are invaluable to me. You have not done anything so bad, you have not done it so many times or with the, so, so many people, that I do not love you this morning, saith the Lord to somebody in this place. Rest. In the fact that He loves you. Why are you so invaluable to God? Because you are His creation. He made you. Why are you so invaluable to God? Because your soul is eternal. Think about what He created when He created you. He did not create something that would ever die. And I'm not talking about these physical bodies because as we were reminded on Friday afternoon, they will perish He created the imperishable. He created our souls, the part that connects with Him in such a personal way if we will allow it. And He said, if I created something that will never die, it will spend eternity somewhere, then that is invaluable to me. The value He can place on that is, as MasterCard said, priceless. Why are you so invaluable to God? Because the enemy of your soul cares just as much about your soul as God does. He wants to take it. He wants to remove it from the presence of God. So if the devil feels that way about you and is constantly in this, this, this air of, of war against your soul, if he's putting that much value on it, then don't you know this morning that God, the one who created it, puts even a greater value on it? Why are you so valuable to God? Because of the price that was paid to redeem you. For God so sent his son because he loved the world. That's how we know how invaluable we are to God. So since I am this priceless, invaluable being, soul, that God created and cares so much for, what should I do? What should my response be? As I now understand and I allow myself to look into the face of God and hear Him say to me this morning, rest in the fact that I love you. As I hear those words, as I understand that this is coming from a divine Creator, some, the, the, the very One who created me, What should my response be? What what do I do now? You see, I am called by God to do something. I am called to truth. Truth is an acceptance of uh, and, and a belief of the things that I can't understand, that I'm called to that. I'm called to truth. I'm called to life. It's that deeper life that He calls us to. It's not this physical life that had so many pains and emotions and, and, and ups and downs like we're on a roller coaster at an amusement park. That's not the life he was speaking of. He's called us to a life of joy and prosper and, and, and love. That's what he's called us to. He's called us to salvation. It's the salvation that we can accept that gives us eternal life with him, not just eternal life. You see, everyone under the sound of my voice will live eternally somewhere. Your soul will exist somewhere. You will either exist in the presence of God or absent from the presence of God. And what we've been called to is a life of salvation, a life in the presence of God. So that when our physical life ends or when the rapture takes place and he calls his church home, we will immediately be in the presence of Almighty God. That's the life that we've been called to. So not only have we been called, but we've been chosen, chosen to receive. And some of us have a problem with that. We've been chosen to receive the benefits of being a child of God. Some of us don't like to give gifts at Christmas as much as we like to receive them. Right? It just feels awkward. People put you, eh, well here, I wanted you to have this and you don't, you're just kind of mumbling. You don't know what to say. You're kind of, you, you know, want to open it but you don't want to look too interested kind of a thing. It's, it's hard for some people to receive a gift. He has chosen you this morning to receive a gift. And that gift is that you can be a child of God if you're not. He has chosen you to produce or to be producers what are we to produce fruit the bible says that we will know a tree by its fruit he was talking about people who would preach non-truth and he said all you got to do is look at the truth look at the fruit that they produce that's the litmus test some of us struggle in that area and we're like "Well, i don't know about this guy or this lady or whatever's being taught over here or preached over here or what i'm seeing on tv look at the fruit he says, a bad tree can't produce good fruit, and a good tree can't produce bad fruit. So what are, we try- what are we supposed to be producing? They're listed for you in the book of Galatians, and that's just some of them. It's the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Chosen people produce good fruit. We're chosen to love everybody He flipped the kingdom upside down when he said, you have been told, love the people who love you back. I come to tell you, love even your enemies. It wigged them all out. They couldn't understand it. But he said, I am choosing you. I've called you and chosen you to love. How do I learn how to love? I get closer to Jesus because I want to be like him. And just as, as he was able to walk into a room full of unlovable people and love them, I want to love like Jesus does. You've been chosen to love. And He has also made you capable of all of these things. I'm capable of praise and worship. Some are more reserved than others. That's fine. But He created you to praise Him. He created you to worship Him. He created you to use these hands, these feet, these voices our whole selves, and worship and praise who He is. He gave you all those tools, and He made you capable of praise. He made you capable of hope, not something that the world finds easy to have. But when you are a child of God, when you are in love with Jesus, and He's in love with you, and you have a relationship with Him, you will find yourself capable of having hope in any situation Part of the job, you might say, part of the calling, part of the joy that I get to have as one of the pastors here is that I get to walk into bad situations. I I get to walk into ERs and hospital rooms where it's not going well. But in the midst of all of that and other situations in life where people are losing everything minute by minute financially, relationally, there's hope. And if you're not connected to Jesus and you don't have a relationship with him and you don't realize how invaluable you are to him, you can't find that hope. And it just keeps spiraling downwards. So you're capable of hope. And here's the next one. You're capable of ministry. You say, well, I'm not called to be a pastor. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that once this thing is inside of you, once His Spirit resides inside of you, once you understand who you are as a child of God and that you are invaluable and priceless to Him, you can't help but tell somebody else. Now, you should have said amen to that. Because this is the thing that the church is missing more, I think, than anything else, and that is evangelism. Who have you told how good Jesus has been to you? Who are you planning to tell this week? Do you have a plan? Do you have their name written down? Are you looking for the opportunity? And I'm preaching to myself this morning too because it's not something we spend a whole lot of time doing. But what could be more important for the person who has no hope, the person who doesn't know Jesus, than for you to put their, pa- their name on a piece of paper and go after them? You say, well, I'm not capable of that. You are capable of ministry because Jesus has made you capable of ministry. He said, you just go and talk to them. I will speak through you. Say, I don't know the words. I'd have to write some notes. Don't bother. You're not going to say them anyway half the time. I don't preach what I've got in front of me. Listen, He is making you capable minute by minute as you walk with Him to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who are you telling If we would evangelize the people around us, just the people we already know, can you imagine the doors of opportunity that would open up for people we don't know? We do everything we can for you all who will come faithfully and sit in these chairs. We broadcast it live on the internet so that we might reach one more person with the gospel. But what if we all applied ourselves with the same application as we do? What will we wear to work tomorrow? What's the plan? I don't want to go in looking like a buffoon. But what if I said, what about Sally? What about Joe? What about the guy who sits in the cubicle just across from me? I don't feel in my spirit that he knows Christ. What if I just walk over there and say, good morning? What would happen? You don't have to have a sermon prepped. You know who Jesus is to you. Right? You know who Jesus is to you. So, as an invaluable, called, chosen, capable person, your response should be, you bring your first fruits. It took me all that time to get my introduction out of the way. (laughs) You see who you are to God. You recognize that you are invaluable, that you are priceless. You receive it, even though it's hard to swallow. Oh God, what do you see in me? He says, I see a child. I see potential. I see a minister of the gospel of Christ. I see someone who can lead someone else to Christ because they've been through exactly what this person is going through. That's what you see in me. That's what I see in you. Would you just open your mouth? Would you just say the name of Jesus? Would you just find an opportunity? And you say, okay. And in that moment, Of acceptance and receptance, and in that moment of submission to who He really is, you bring your first fruits. You say, here I am. Before I do anything else, here I am. Before I spend money anywhere else, here's your portion. Before I open my eyes and think about the news headlines, are you kidding me? I will open your word and I will absorb what it says and who you say that I am. Before I listen to the garbage on TV, I will hear the voice from heaven say, you are my chosen called invaluable child and I love you. And in that moment, you start to pour out your first fruits. And as we know from reading through our Bibles, it's the first fruits that God says, Ah, I enjoy that. Now there's a person, God says, that's got their priorities in order, that understands that the the bad things, the ripples, the... The bubbles in life, they'll come and they'll go. But this person understands they're invaluable to me. Would you look at First Peter really quick as we close our time up if we could get that on the screen. Chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. God's Special possession. That you may declare the praises of Him. There's that idea that He created us for praise. Of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Aren't you glad He called you? Aren't you glad you're not in the darkness today? Once you were not a people. You get the reference there? Once you were not even a people. People. You were so scattered and your, your minds were so out there that you weren't even a people, comma. But now you are the people of God. Now you have identity. Now you know who you are. And when you know who you are, you can stand a little firmer that day. Amen? when you're kind of like don't know who you are and what's going to happen, then you sort of look like you're on a surfboard. But this says that once you understand you are the people of God, once you have, had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You went from being someone who was condemned because you had no mercy and you didn't even know who you were to this side of the stage where you know exactly who you are and you've received mercy. Mercy. You are invaluable to God. He looks at you and says, priceless. And that doesn't mean tomorrow after you've picked up the Bible reading plan and caught up, good luck, it's like 14 chapters. That means now, in this moment. That means with all the stuff you drug in here, And I drug in here. With all the weight of this past week, with all of the... ah. I got non-churchy words coming to my mind. All of that. He said, in that moment, I love you. You can rest in the fact that I love you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this is such a critical moment. And for us church people, it comes every time we get together and we sort of dread it because we think that you think that because it's just on the schedule and it happens at the end of every service that it's not important. But I need to stress to you in this moment that nothing is by chance. We don't live as followers of Christ by luck and the the luck of the draw. What we live by is that our steps are ordered by the Lord. Amen? And that if we are here today, if we are listening to His Word, that He meant for us to be here and He meant for us to be hearing what thus saith the Lord. And I believe with every ounce of of energy and fiber that I have inside of me I believe that you are here or you are listening on the internet because God ordained it to be that way and so this may be the very first church service you've ever been in and the very first time that you've ever had someone say God loves you you are invaluable and priceless to him or you may have heard that your entire life but could very well be that today in this moment is the first time that it has penetrated that very locked up heavily guarded area of our being called our soul you see we can hear things in our minds sometime sometimes and process those things But we never let them drop into our soul. We never let them get to the part of us that we can really connect with God. So maybe today is the first time it's ever connected, it's ever dropped in there. And now there's this little thing, this little hard to explain rumble, this this kind of frustration in a way that you feel and you almost wish that you could just get up and walk out. I, I, I want to encourage you in this moment. But that is the Holy Spirit of our God prompting you. Prompting you. You say, Well, what is it prompting me to do? It's prompting you to be receptive to what He's trying to tell you today. And at the risk of being redundant, He's trying to tell you that. He knows that you've got it all wrong and that you've messed it all up. He knows that you've been walking your own path, but today, he wants to take your hand and change that. And so, with every head bowed and every eye closed across the room, I, I, I got to throw the invitation. I, I have to, I have to say that if that's you today and you feel that little tingle, that that pulling, that calling, that little frustrated feeling anywhere inside of you, would you just throw up a hand so I know I'm not by myself and just say, I'm feeling that. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Don't be bashful. This is the family of God. Thank you. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean anything except you are sensing the calling of the Creator of the universe on you. How personal is that? Maybe you're here today and this is all foreign to you, you've never even considered a relationship with Jesus Christ. You didn't realize how invaluable you were to Him, but you want more. Would you be bold enough in just blind faith and that calling that you feel inside of you right now to raise your hand and say, Pastor, I I just need, I need to know more, I want more, I don't know what to do next. I hope you tell me, but that's me. Throw a hand up. There's somebody in here. Anybody? Thank you, Jesus. See, it doesn't matter if we're young, if we're middle-aged, maybe. We've been going through the church process for years, but this is the first time you've ever felt like this. You've ever experienced this. You've ever known in your spirit and in your soul Today was for me. So I want to ask you to take take that next step. If you raised your hand for any reason, or even if you didn't, but you wished you had, would you get up here and walk walk down here and be, and be with me? Because I'm, I'm here telling you I felt something this morning. I felt something from the moment I got here this morning. I, I felt something during our prayer time. He's working on me, and I'm not ashamed or scared to say it. He's working on me. I, I'm open to it. So would you come and join me, Anybody? you just you just felt something this morning and you you need someone to pray with you and pray for understanding of, of what that is and and help you along the way anybody else I don't want I don't want to pull you out of your seat but there was many more hands that went up would you just listen to that still small voice It may be that just in you standing or, or walking down here in and being receptive to that that your life changes forever today anybody else just one more one more minute thank you Jesus thank you Jesus can I get pastor would you come and 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 pray with him and can I get a few ladies to come and and pray with these precious ladies here. I don't want you to just stand behind them and hope. I want you to ask them and agree with them and help them in this moment. You see, God wants to do a work in us, but we have to receive it and we have to do something in response. We, we have to come and say, help me. So that might be all you can muster this morning is help me. And it'll be Enough. to wait for just just a minute and let the holy spirit work and do what he does best would stand, everybody stand across this room. I'm going to pray together and you, you may have resisted moving, but now at least you're standing. And so it's not too late, it's never too late. It's never too late with Jesus. He's always got arms wide open, He's always waiting, and so as we pray together, if you have never received Christ, you, you've never entered into a relationship and a walk with Him, we're going to pray together. This is your moment. If you had never realized how priceless you were to Him today, this is your moment to receive that, to understand that with not just a mind understanding, but with a soul understanding. So church, let's Let's pray. I want to hear some praying going on in here. Heavenly Father, thank you. God, I I lift you up because of who you are. My creator, my savior, my healer, my protector. And Jesus, I thank you today for these ladies who, in faith and in confidence in who you are, stepped out. Lord, I thank you for this gentleman who in faith and confidence stepped out. They want to see life change inside of them. They want to see Jesus bubbling out of them. They they want to see things be different. And so today, Jesus, through the the power of your Holy Spirit, which is the only way that someone can be changed and be saved into this this salvation. If there's someone here today that is just simply saying, help me, Jesus. I pray and believe and understand from reading your word that you will come and you will wash away their sins. You will wipe the slate clean. All we have to do is say, help me, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Come in to me and, and wash me clean. I want to have a relationship with you. And you'll do it. God, I know there's some people here this morning. I wrestle with this myself that needed to hear one more time how priceless you find them. How invaluable they are to you. You know, God, our lives are hard, they're tough. We fight the battle every day and sometimes we give in and we lose. But today is not that day. Today is the day that we stand not in boldness of what we've done or can do, but in boldness of you, in boldness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, in boldness we proclaim We are priceless children of the Most High God. Would you say it with me? Could you muster those words? We are children of the Most High God. He finds me invaluable in His sight. My soul belongs to Him. I will praise His name forever. He will provide for me. He will heal me. He will make a way. He will save me to the uttermost. He is my Father. Am I the only one in the room right now that's just about to lose it? He will provide for me when I can't provide for myself. He will heal my family. He will save my lost loved ones. I am invaluable to Him. He looks upon me and He smiles. He looks upon me and He loves me. It doesn't matter what I've done and how many times I've done it. He looked upon me before I was even here and said... You can rest in the fact that I love you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. We didn't deserve it. We didn't do anything to gain it or earn it. You and your great and glorious mind rained mercy down on me. And now I relish in it. I revel in your presence. You're a life changer, and we worship you. We worship you today in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Would you worship him today, church, like you never have before? He deserves it. Thank you for tuning into this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.